Welcome to episode 38, The Truth About the Democratic Party. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you are on Facebook or Twitter and the topics of socialism, the Federal Reserve, the Electoral College, the Bill of Rights, or how great the Democratic Party is comes up, please share the specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest patronage page on truthquest.podbean.com. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. And of course, you can always join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Let me say this right off the bat. Regular listeners will already know this, but I want to make it clear. I hate both major national political parties. One is inept, fat, and happy as long as they are re-elected. The other is just downright dangerous to the future of the country. This episode is not an indictment on members of the Democratic Party like my father and many friends, except to the extent that, through their silence, they endorse unseemly behavior and dangerous or ineffective policy initiatives. Honestly, I have found that I have more in common with principled members of the Democratic Party than I do with some establishment Republicans. This is not an indictment on local or state-level Democrats because inherently they are not as dangerous as those in D.C. since they don't have any control over the money supply and the seemingly all-powerful federal agencies. Fortunately, local government officials, however insane or inept they must live under balanced budget amendments at many state levels, or their spending is limited by the tax income. Don't get me wrong, they can bankrupt a jurisdiction. Look at the states of California, New Jersey, and Illinois, all run largely by Democrats for decades. Look at cities like Detroit, Oakland, Baltimore, Chicago, New York, St. Louis, and San Francisco, all run by Democrats and all suffering from financial and or social problems of gargantuan proportions. Hell, in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, the loony Democrats in the city council and mayor passed a law a few years ago allowing men who identify as a woman to use women's bathrooms. That episode caused national outrage among the sane population. However, when the state legislature and the governor passed and signed a law known as HB2, which restricted that practice in government buildings, rather, they required single-occupancy restrooms to avoid the obvious problem of men being in the bathroom with women. All hell broke loose on the constantly looking for a problem to pound the table about left wing. As we dive into the soul of the National Democratic Party, I want to start with a history lesson. I find it particularly ironic when I hear Democrats calling Republicans racist. Long before Trump won the presidency, the playing of the race card by the likes of Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton had been fully endorsed by the National Democratic Party. So let's start with some memorable race-related congressional votes and see if we can detect a pattern of racism on the part of the Republican Party. Let's start with the 13th Amendment in 1864 that abolished slavery. The Republicans voted 34 to 0 for that amendment. The Democrats voted 3, 4, 6 against. What about the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which provided equal protection for recently freed slaves? The Republicans voted 38 to nothing for the act. The Democrats, 0, 4, 18 against. How about the 14th Amendment in 1868, which codified the Civil Rights Act of 1866? Republicans voted 4, 32 against 3. Democrats, 0, 4, 8 against. 
How about the 15th Amendment in 1870, voting rights for all races? The Republicans voted 39 to 0 for the amendment. The Democrats, 0 for, 9 against. How about the Enforcement Act of 1871, which was an act that suspended actions of the Ku Klux Klan? The Republicans voted 43 to 0 for the act. The Democrats, 0 for, 14 against. How about the Civil Rights Act of 1875, equal treatment? The Republicans voted 38 for and 4 against. Again, Democrats, 0 voted for it, 18 against. Now, the 19th Amendment, 1920, voting rights for women. Republicans voted 36 for, 8 against. Democratic Party was split, 24, 17 against. Civil Rights Act of 1857, school desegregation. Republicans voted 43 for, 0 against. And the Democrats, not so sure about that. 29 for, 18 against. Civil Rights Act of 1964, racial discrimination. Republicans voted 27 to 6 for the act. Democrats voted 46 to 21 for the act. Economic Opportunity Act of 1964, which was a welfare-related act. Republicans voted 10 for, 22 against. And the Democrats voted 51 for, 12 against. And finally, the Civil Rights Act of 1991, employment discrimination. Republicans voted 55-4-0 against, and the Democrats voted 38-4-5 and five against. I was tempted to continue this history lesson and walk through some of the more despicable National Democratic characters like Woodrow Wilson, uh, the beloved FDR, which will be a subject of a future episode, or John F. Kennedy's uh, FBI surveilling Martin Luther King Jr. Speaking of John F. Kennedy... We are subjected to glowing memories, meanwhile he was screwing everything that moved in and around the White House while the press said nothing. Or the foul-mouthed asshole-in-chief Lyndon Johnson. Or what about Senator and one-time presidential candidate Ted Kennedy, the lion of the Senate, getting away with manslaughter decades ago. Or the former Senator and the late Senator Robert Byrd and his KKK affiliations. Hell, I could probably start another podcast called Corrupt Democrats and highlight a new person in every episode. My point is not to be obnoxious, it is to demonstrate to those of you who are Democrats or lean in that direction that your folks are as corrupt or more so than your perceived notions of all those dastardly Republicans like Newt and Bush and Ryan and Romney and McCain and Trump. Even a casual observer of national politics is likely to pick up on the Democrats' divide-and-conquer technique, or as I like to call it, cobble together as many perceived aggrieved voting blocks as possible strategy. Their constant dividing of the nation along racial, gender, and wealth lines is particularly disgusting. The truth about the Democratic Party is their agenda is not popular with the majority of Americans. Their agenda is so unsettling that we elected Donald Trump for crying out loud. If anyone other than a re the repulsive Hillary had run against him, he likely loses. The National Democratic Party does not offer America anything of value. They simply divide us into aggrieved groups. Homosexuals, women, the poor, the middle class, transgender, the LGBT community, college students, African Americans, illegal immigrants. It goes on and on. Then they promise each of these aggrieved groups something and tell them that those nasty Republicans are going to take it away. You know, right to marriage, equal pay for equal work, welfare, a living wage, student loans, discrimination, amnesty. Again, it goes on and on. As they cobble together a coalition of these perceived to be aggrieved groups, they spend the rest of their time denigrating their political opponents and refusing to debate on the merits of their policies. Let's be honest, they can't debate on the merits of their policies because they're meritless. And because of that, they are stuck name-calling their opponents. 
Well, in the case of liberal bastions like college campuses, they just ban speakers who do not agree with them and those who might trigger a millennial. At the heart of the National Democrats' thought process is they are smarter than all of us little people. They must tell us what is best for us. They desire power and control. Every policy proposal they offer up has that as the end game. But you must understand, in their minds, the ends justify the means. Think about their cause for socialism. As I pointed out in episodes 31 and 32, socialism always ends with the elites on top and the rest of us groveling for the leftovers. So the calls for socialism make sense coming from a party whose national leaders already have a raging superiority complex. And as I have already pointed out, since there are no socialist success stories for them to point to, opponents are shouted down and name-calling always ensues. The fact that socialism always leads to authoritarianism likely explains the National Democrats' attraction to it. Implementing their radical agenda would be a lot easier if they had more control over the means of production and various important industries, and of course, more of your money. When you have a sycophant cheerleading media that performs no critical analysis of your policy positions, you can skate right through, despite your destructive, proven-to-be-ineffective policy prescriptions. Think about the mainstream media's coverage of Barack Obama's eight years in office. The guy walks around to this day and routinely claims that his administration was scandal-free. Can you find any significant, unbiased reporting from MSNBC, CBS, Washington Post, Huffington Post, LA Times, New York Times, or the Chicago Tribune on the IRS scandal where conservative-leaning nonprofit organizations were targeted? What about the Benghazi fiasco where our ambassador was murdered while running a gun-running operation? Or the real-life gun-running operation in New Mexico called Fast and Furious? Or the infamous and ignored Hillary Clinton illegal email scandal? Honestly, she should be in federal prison right now for that. While we're discussing Clinton, how about the Clinton Foundation's obvious pay-to-play scandal, or ACORN, or Media Matters, or Occupy Wall Street? Since I regularly speak on this podcast about Christian apologetic topics, I can't help but view the National Democrats' behavior in light of Christian principles. Unfortunately, when you do that, something very disturbing bubbles to the top. A clear anti-Christian bias. Now, I'm not saying there are no Christians among the National Democratic leaders. I'm sure that the majority of them consider themselves Christians. But now that their primary job is coalition building among all these perceived aggrieved groups, they must leave their Christian bona fides at the door, lest they trigger one of their agnostic, atheistic, anti-Christian coalition members. No prominent Democrat willingly stands up for the Judeo-Christian principles that this country was founded on. What about the Ten Commandments? I want you to think about the policies that the National Democrats advocate for in light of the Ten Commandments. Here they are. Honor your mother and father. Well, the Democrats' welfare state is taking care of this one, with single-parent households at record highs and fatherless households the norm in many poor communities. These policies have destroyed two or three generations. All for what? So they can trot out their class warfare rage against Republicans every four years? Reinforcing dependency on government plays into the National Democrats' re-election plans. Thou shalt not covet. Considering the fact that the main theme of the National Democrats' message is one of malice towards others, envy, jealousy, resentment, and class warfare, it's safe to say that this commandment is a moot point. Thou shalt not steal. Taxes are a form of theft, since if you don't pay, men with guns take you away. Wealth redistribution, as the Democrats are so fond of pushing, is also a form of theft. What about thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor? Do I really need to explain this one? Watch an interview, in any interview with the leading Democrat. You pick Pelosi, Perez, Schumer, Washerman, Schultz, Harris, Sanders, Booker, Warren, Biden. And I'm willing to bet 
that within the course of any given interview or any given stump speech, they will lie about something. This goes beyond politics as an ugly business. And yes, I'm aware that Republicans lie too, including our commander-in-chief. However, as I hopefully have demonstrated in this episode, much of the National Democrats' agenda is based on lies. Climate change, the GOP taking away your welfare, the rich are bad, you deserve their money, abortion is not murder, it's choice. Billionaires are immoral just for existing. Capitalism is evil. Socialism is a just system. Think about the lies they told about Mitt Romney. Short of George Washington himself, this was one of the cleanest cut guys to ever run for president. They trashed Reagan and both Bushes with lies. They even spread lies about the maverick John McCain. And don't give me this shit about opposition research because we know where that leads. A two-year faux investigation into collusion with a foreign government based on a faux oppo research, the Steele dossier. No, it goes beyond that. Their worldview is based on lies, and no one embodies that more than Hillary Clinton. How about thou shalt not commit adultery? Adultery? What's that? The Dems were saved from having to defend Camelot's King JFK from his marital indiscretions, but they could not escape having to go to bat for Bill Clinton. At the end of the day, this is a party of abortion, and now apparently infanticide. So how could, can they be critical of someone getting some on the side? What about thou shalt not murder? <laughs> Speaking of abortion and infanticide, see episode two of my uh, earlier podcast if you want to deep dive into this topic. One of the things I find particularly distasteful when I, it comes to this issue is you have high-profile Democratic Party leaders who are self-proclaimed Catholics who are advocates for abortion. See Nancy Pelosi and John Kerry. Talk about having no shame. Talk about the ends justifying the means. Making it easy and advocating for the murder of millions of babies in order to curry favor with a confused and, dare I say, radical voting block is the definition of evil. What about, you shall have no gods before me? See, the anti-Judeo-Christian philosophy leaves a hole in the hearts of hardcore Democrats. With the absence of God, capital G, they have to fill the void with something else. That's just human nature. They make little g-gods out of their agenda, their policies, their causes. Think about environmentalism, climate change, abortion, politics in general, or welfare, or minority rights, or hatred toward a fill-in-the-blank politician, and the promotion of unnatural arrangements such as gay marriage, LGBT, and transgenderism. You wonder why they seem so unhinged or so out of step with what the majority of Americans believe. It's because these things become their religion. By the way, episode 26, The Truth About the Judeo-Christian Tradition, is my attempt to set the record straight. What about the Declaration of Independence, Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Happiness? Well, when it comes to life, abortion is clearly a pillar of the National Democratic Party. It's in their party platform. It's constantly on the lips of prominent Democrats. High levels of murder in predominantly black hometown cities of former presidents brings nary a mention from the Democrats. Speaking of former presidents, the deaths in Benghazi made no difference, nor did the deaths as the result of the Fast and Furious scandal. I think it had something to do with the resident of the White House at the time. That's life. How about liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Well, virtually the entire Democrats' platform is an anti-liberty manifesto. Higher taxes, socialized medicine, expanding the regulatory and bureaucratic state. No school choice, no more straws, no more soda unless you want to pay an exorbitant tax, no more guns, no more gas-powered vehicles, no more hamburgers, dilution of legal voter rights by loosening voter registration rules for illegals, 
IRS targeting of conservative groups. Shall I go on? Okay, I will. If your definition of happiness is sleeping around with no consequences, the Democrats are your party. Abortion on demand is available, oftentimes at taxpayers' expense. Democrats push for sex education in schools at the earliest of possible ages. But the phrase pursuit of happiness in the Constitution had to do with property rights, and the National Democrats are not too fond of them because that means freedom and liberty. That means self-reliance, and the National Democrats cannot have you being reliant on anything else except, drumroll please, them, the federal government. How have Democrat constituents been helped by their policies? Think about unconstitutional gun control regulations. How is that helpful to their constituents? It violates your natural right to self-defense. Do the Democrats care? Hell no. Check out episode 18, The Truth About Gun Control, for a deep dive on this topic. What about welfare? Cloaked in a message of compassion, the National Democrats have knowingly sentenced multiple generations of their voters to a life of dependency on government, all in the name of getting votes. What about abortion rights? I think I've made my point on this topic, although I haven't mentioned the emotional impact on women who have abortions. They are told it is a choice, and they have a right to their body, so what is a minor medical procedure going to hurt? I may need to do an entire episode on this topic someday, but suffice it to say, despite national Democrats who disgustingly encourage women to shout their abortion, there are real mental and physical effects to abortion. How about higher taxes? Lower income folks always are the hardest hit by higher taxes because it takes a larger percentage of their income to pay those taxes. Yet who do the national Democrats claim to represent? What about ineffective environmental regulations? The cost to comply with any government regulation is borne by the end consumer, not the companies or the industries that the National Democrats vilify. So regulations are essentially a tax, and as I just mentioned, higher taxes impact lower-income folks the most. What about minimum wage? Who loses their job because they are not worth $15 an hour? See episode 4, The Truth About Minimum Wage, for more on this. What about sanctuary cities and open borders? The National Democrats know that their agenda is not popular with most of Americans, so what did they do? Import new voters. That's at the heart of their push for open borders. The fact is that first-generation immigrants vote heavily for Democrats. Who gets hurt by that? What about single-payer socialized medicine? Here is another example of National Democrats pushing for an agenda that has a 100% failure rate. There are no success stories, just like socialism. Then why advocate for it? Who gets hurt? I have four healthcare-related episodes that you may find helpful, examining healthcare in America, socialized medicine, Obamacare, and healthcare reform. See the show notes page for links to those episodes. I want to end this episode with my, one of my favorite topics, the U.S. Constitution, or given this episode's topic, the killing of the Constitution. See, the National Democrats cannot be successful under the constraints of the Constitution. So what alternative is there? Well, they offer a host of alternatives. The elimination of the Electoral College via this national public vote movement. Listen to episode 34 for more on that. They advocate for a lowering of the voting age. They want amnesty for illegal immigrants, ultimately so they can load them up on government welfare benefits. Now, apparently, they want to give them Social Security, then give them voting rights and tell them the Republicans are going to take it all away. What about judicial activism? It's fully endorsed and encouraged in order to get around that pesky thing called the Constitution. Liberal judges routinely rule in extra-constitutional manners. Recently, Democratic presidential candidates have been advocating for a packing of the Supreme Court with five or six more liberal justices to make it easier to impose their worldview on 330 million Americans without going through the legislative process 
or the constitutional amendment process. Think about how insane the National Democrats would get if Trump floated the idea of packing the court with conservative justices. What about the enhanced power of the administrative state? That's fully endorsed by the National Democrats, with a wink and a nod from the worthless Republicans who make no effort to shrink it. But the Dems know that the federal bureaucracy tends to be filled with liberal-leaning employees, see the current Justice Department as a shining example. These folks enforce most of the regulations encapsulated in these broad bills passed by Congress. If you are interested in learning more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or the truth about the Supreme Court, I have episodes on all three of those topics. They'll be listed in the show notes page. So in conclusion, the bottom line is we deserve better from our national leaders. The country as founded was far from perfect, but the deliberate progressive tearing down, mostly by the Democratic Party, and the National Republicans' unwillingness to protect it has led us to where we are today. The Constitution was written and ratified with a very limited scope of powers granted to the feds. That erosion has led one party down a radical, anti-constitutional, anti-American, almost unrecognizable road as they try to placate loud, radical wings of their party. Their platform is based on deception, lies, propaganda, and it plays on the electorate's most negative emotions of greed, malice towards others, envy, jealousy, and resentment. While the other party members sit fat and happy, enjoying their time in the spotlight with a zombie constituency that is too busy working, raising families, and saving for the future to pay any attention to their ineptitude. My only hope for publishing this episode was to awaken Democrats to the radical swing their national party has taken. And for the blue Kool-Aid drinkers, my hope is that you will see that most of their agenda is one of manipulation. They are not interested in pursuing the truth about anything. Their sole objective is to gain and maintain power at any cost. Please join the conversation at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 